welcome back to Stilettos and Stouts. My name is Christy. I am your host, and we are back after taking a week off. And with me is Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, what's happening? Yeah, we took a week off. Uh, I went to a couple of games, and here we are. <laughs> and now we're back. Um, yes. So I think the first thing that we should probably talk about is, you know, people can say what they want about Lindy Ruff, but if there's one thing he does, he knows how to keep us on our toes. <laughs> he he decided, sure does. Yeah. So he decided to scratch Siegenthaler and Bastion. Siegenthaler has since returned to the lineup, but Bastion is still a healthy scratch. And you know what? I was talking in the um, press box with somebody and I said, you know what? People may love it or hate it, but you have to respect the fact that the Devils have been so consistent this entire season and Lindy Ruff is still holding his players accountable. Yeah, that's a great thing to see. Um, honestly, the the Siegenthaler thing caught me a little off guard, but when when it was explained a little more, you're like, all right, he I could probably use a night off. Um, the Bastion thing, I don't people freaked out about it at first because everybody wants to shoot Miles Wood at the moment. Um, but the, honestly, someone has to sit. It's really the nature of the way this works. And he hasn't been spectacular. Let him sit. I think, too, I think when you saw the lineup decision immediately and saw Siegenthaler was the odd man out, I think there was a lot of surprise. And then I went back and looked at some clips, and it kind of made more sense to me as Mm -hmm. I kind of over, as I not overanalyzed it, but as I kind of looked back and was like, okay, this makes sense. I also think, and this is just my own personal opinion, I think if there's a challenge and there's a big responsibility in being Dougie Hamilton's defensive partner. Yeah, that's actually not something I'd thought a ton about until you brought it up. And as soon as you said it, just a switch went off in my head. I was like, yeah, that's probably a really good point. That's That can't be easy. He's a little unpredictable in all zones. So, And I you know. think, too, when I look at Hamilton, and obviously, Ham- as we've said multiple times, Hamilton was brought in for his offensive abilities to quarterback the power play. And when he's in the offensive zone, you see him sometimes go really deep into the offensive zone to play the puck, which is fine. But at the same time, if there is that odd man rush the other way, as we've discussed, Hamilton is not the fastest skater on the team. He's tall. He has a long reach, but he's not known for his speed. So I think in that situation, you kind of see sometimes you have to see the forward get back. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to the forwards that have been getting back with the defensemen. When you're watching, uh, I haven't noticed in particularly. I know Zetterlin's done a great job of getting back, and it's probably mm-hmm. why he stayed in the lineup so much. But mm-hmm. other than that, I haven't noticed particularly. Yeah, but I think there is a big responsibility when you're Hamilton's defensive partner, and I think that's something to also just kind of think about when you look at Siegenthaler. And and here's the other thing too: fans have like the Devils haven't been a playoff team. And even back when they snuck into the playoffs in 2018, it's not like this season where they knew for a long time, like, okay, like we're playoff bound. It was kind of like, I think I talked to Damon Severson about this and it was kind of like sneaking at the last minute. Like no one really expected them to be there. And that's not this year. So I think it's normal to see some players sit or receive maintenance days or things like that. Like I think that's normal for playoff teams. It's just not normal for Devils fans to see because they haven't had a playoff team to watch. No, that's that's a very fair point. Um, and and it, we do have an outrageously young team. I, I'd gather to say this is the most hockey that a lot of these youngsters have played in like a two-year period in their entire lives. 
so from that standpoint, I I do think it's going to be something you see going down the stretch. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you saw like Dawson Mercer take a seat for a day when you know they have a couple of days off on either side and you can essentially get him a week off. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 and all these young kids, I would really do that with. And you don't have a lot of old veterans you got to protect though. It's not like, you know, you've got a 38 year old stay at home defenseman that has to get some days off here and there because they're going to get dinged. I think you just protect the kids, to be honest with you. Well, and because you don't want to see Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer get injured at this point in the season, right? Because that's no. always, that's always a concern. And even when you were watching Montreal um, last night, like they were on Jack Hughes. Yeah, and they did a very out. good job on Jack last night. They did the defense. They did a phenomenal job preventing Jack from really. I mean, you saw a bunch of times he got pushed off the puck, a bunch of times last night. Yeah, that's that's not that never really shocks me because he is still so small. And what did he did he just turn twenty one? Um, he turned twenty one at the beginning of the off season of last off season. Oh, okay. So I mean, still he's still young. Um, but yeah, I mean, he could also not be totally back from his upper body injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be a factor too. Uh, I always get the feeling Nico's a guy that's playing dinged up all the time, not all the time, but like he kind of always has this like grizzled ugh, look on his face sometimes. Uh, and it could be just his nature, but he always looks like he's got something that's nagging him. So I would, yeah, I'd love to see them protect both of them down the stretch. And I think, well, Ruff did admit that in addition to John Marino there, he has made an assumption that it made us assume that there were other players that were battling through something on the team. And yeah. I think that's really what you saw against Montreal is the team just wasn't a hundred percent. Yeah. They didn't seem it. I wasn't at that game. I was watching at home. Uh, mm-hmm. I was at the Jets game, which that's the best devil's crowd I've personally been at. In, yeah. oh God, it's got to be 10 years. That crowd was electric from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kudos to you, whoever was in the building on uh, uh, the Sunday before President's Day. You really did a good job, everybody. Uh, that yeah. was that was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, you're going to see that down the stretch here. I, I'd love to see them get some more rest on guys. You know, I look, if, if Mackenzie Blackwood is going to be out for a significant stretch of time you know i i would think at this point in the season you might want to think about ltir say he's out for a month right now right theoretically it's all theoretical ltir him and let dawes and schmid kind of just come back up and get some games when they need to that's just my opinion on that since we're talking about managing people's wear and tear yeah and i think too it's kind of an unknown like it's it's not it's an unspoken thing that everyone knows that by the time playoffs start teams are not at a hundred percent no like, none of them are ever know that. no nobody's at a hundred percent at that point in the season and I think it's a part of coaching that you have to learn how to manage the players and how to manage their time I mean Ruff was very honest saying like we have an off day on Wednesday like we you know we need to use rest as our weapon and I think that's a part of coaching that I think maybe fans don't really pay attention to like, there's so much criticism in, like, the lineup and the forward group and things of that nature. But when you really think of how much you have to really think about when it comes to these players, it's a lot. Yeah, I'm sure they have some sort of chart where it's, like, hours on ice per week. I guarantee you they have it. Uh, where, like, what guy has been on the ice for this period of time? You know, all of a sudden, uh, optional morning skates get turned into you don't skate, you don't skate, you don't skate. 
uh, you're going to start seeing that too. I think you're going to see less guys at optional mornings and I don't necessarily think it's always going to be their choice. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I no, even, none. even seeing like Siegenthaler sit for a game, like I don't think that things like that are the end of the world. Sometimes it just, you just need to reset. Like, like Ruff said. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're going to keep Kevin Ball at the NHL level, I'd rather you consistently rotate him into the games, which it seems to like they've been doing since uh, Marino came back. They've still been trying to get him into some games, which is good. Well, and I think the more he plays, the better. I don't. I think people severely underestimate how difficult it is to sit for an extended period of time and then be expected to, ch- to jump back in and have the game pace and everything like that, like instantly. Yeah, that's that's a tough ask, especially for a kid, especially for a kid his size, who's still catching up to the speed of the NHL game. You know, everything's a little more deliberate for him. You can see it; it comes across on TV. You know, it's he's not necessarily making bad plays. It's just a quarter of a step late, and in the NHL, that kills you sometimes. Yeah, and I think too. I I, I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. I was talking to somebody. And I loved it. Tired players are stupid players. Oh yeah. That's a good one. That's very, very good. It's yeah, a good one. Yep. Tired players are stupid players. They're they're also become lazy players. That's mm-hmm. when you see a lot of the hooking, uh, a lot of like the grabbing or the 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 lazy penalties, the ones that you're not supposed to take. Right. And it usually it can all go back to the player was fatigued. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you know, they were fatigued or they were lazy for whatever reason. Yeah. Um that's that's typically always where it comes from but yeah I, I don't really hate I don't I, I'm not burning it down because of Siegenthaler which was the initial reaction no uh, absolutely not and can I just say too Boquist has been very impressive to me yeah yeah I you started talking about him I want to say maybe a month ago or so so I've been trying to pay attention more closely uh he's he's a sneaky solid player he's kind of Mr. I do everything right yeah he, I yep. don't think that, I think he's earned his spot mm-hmm. in the lineup as of right now. I think I that, like that third line now. Do you like it? Yeah. We talked about that a couple of podcasts ago about how they really needed to find a third line identity. I think that that's a group that works. Yeah. It's interesting. That makes sense. You wouldn't have thought that Palat would be utilized on the third line, but at the same time, I'm not one that's like hung up on where you are as far as lines one through four. That's what not, as, it's not what he's here for. As long as there's chemistry within the trios, like I genuinely don't care. I do recognize, especially in the playoffs, there's certain role players. And I argued this in uh, over the summer, I was doing a podcast and they were saying about Sharon Govich. And they're like, oh, we'll just drop Sharon Govich to like the fourth line. And I said, here's the thing. You can't drop certain players and expect them to then become what you want out of that role. Like, he's not going to be dropped to the fourth line and magically become a Corey Perry or a Pat Maroon. And that's something that you know. No, those are guys, you know, especially Corey Perry, a scorer most of his career, who's extended his career playing fourth line minutes and learned how to play on the fourth line. And he'll talk about it, too. Yeah. He had to learn how to do that. Yeah, Yeah, it's a different different game. Yeah, so I do think there is something to be said about, you know, shifting players around and realizing there are certain roles, especially in the playoffs, because as we know, your your superstars are going to get you into the postseason. It's the grinders and the third line and the bottom six that are really going to get you once you're in to get you to win a series. And for, for the Devils right now is a question mark. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see the third line as currently constructed being a, a line that does very, very well against other teams' top lines. Mm-hmm. I could see that being weaponized in the playoffs and almost like a dry run, right? Who's going to be my third line that I send out there to win the draw in the defensive zone, get the puck out, and then sustain a little bit of pressure, and then we get the scorers back out there. Mm-hmm. I think that line can do that and provide enough offense to make it worth your while. Yeah. Now, so when I was at the arena, I was talking to my friend, Tom, shout out to him. And we were talking about how everyone's going nuts right now with the trade deadline. Slowly <laughs> closer. I can't wait. March 3rd, 301 is going to be like the highlight of my life. I cannot wait for it. <laughs> but he was talking about how people are freaking out because the Rangers are going quote unquote all in this year. And the Islanders made a move and the Devils have not done anything yet. And he made an excellent point. When you look at the Rangers and the Devils, I think from the outside, you see them both as young teams because the range, like, you know, Shesterkin's young. The Rangers have young pieces. But when you look at the Rangers' top six, they are all either 29, 30, or 31. So yeah. when you look at the Priders, the Panarins, Zibanejad, Trocek, Tarasenko, they're not young. Like that, their core is a lot older than the Devils' core of Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer. So I can understand why for the Rangers, it's like an all or nothing situation for them because their core is only getting older, whereas the Devils' core is not even really in their prime yet. No, they're not. Um, it, you hey, Look, I think to match up with the Rangers in a playoff series, you need to get bigger, absolutely. Uh, but I... I the devils aren't in an all in scenario unless you as an organization firmly believe there's something magic with this team and you're completely convinced of it because it happens. It absolutely happens. It happens to teams where if you think you really have something special, you know, maybe then you go out and do it, but I don't even think you have to. People keep having this argument about, about what everybody else is doing. First of all, the Islanders, that's kind of adorable. You know, that's, that's a loo move and a half. Let them do it. Let them do it. Um, the Ranger, the Ranger one, I actually thought Tarasenko wouldn't be a terrible fallback for the Devils if they missed out on Meyer. Uh, and O'Reilly going to um, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, I think that's a good fit up there for him. So the reason fans are freaking out is because you're starting to see all these little like, well, if we don't get Timo, I like this guy for that. If we don't get Timo, I like this guy for that. Um, so you're, you're seeing your backup options are kind of coming off the board first, which tells me two things. Number one, the devils are, are absolutely big game hunting. They're very, very in on this. And number two, uh, teams are scared off by the price and the qualifying offer. So if other teams have already made all their moves and they're scared off by the price that San Jose has been asking and the qualifying offer, the devils are in a even better position. The St. Louis thing, I don't think is real. I don't know why it would be. Um, it, it just, none of that makes sense. So the devils don't need to panic, but they do need to do something if they want to really take, cause it's going to be the Rangers in the first round. Let's just assume that that's, what's going to be odds say it's what, like 72% going to be the Rangers. I think so. I just think that it, you need to just fancy to just kind of be aware that the Rangers and the devils are in different places when it comes to where they are as an organization. They're not the same. Like no, no, they're not. They're in two different spots. So to compare them this year, I think is a little silly, to be honest with you. And as far as ugh, Timo Meyer, I swear, if I get one more DM about Timo Meyer, um, <laughs> I don't 
think the St. The St. Louis thing does not make sense to me. I'm not no, saying- none of that makes sense. It's a smokescreen. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you unload the players you unloaded to then bring in? Because, you know, the big thing is, oh, T.O. Myers 26. Well, actually, T.O. Myers can be 27 by the start of next season. So really, you're looking at a 27-year-old if you're looking at somebody that you're going to be looking at to extend long-term. He's basically a Johnny Boudreau yeah. in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just chuckle because I feel like Fitzgerald's been very open and honest about what his plans are for the team. And he has not strayed from what he's been saying now for two seasons. So when I see all of these, I guess, like, you know, theories and who they're going to bring in and rentals, I'm like, are we not listening? It's like a relationship. Like they're telling you who they are, (laughs) but you're not necessarily listening to what they're telling you. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't ever really take it at face value. I I honestly don't think, I don't know that he, I don't know that he's outright lying, but he's not going to tell you the truth in any of these scenarios. He'll, he'll, he'll scream the party line from the rooftops until something big happens. You have to, because if you're like, I want Timo Meyer, now you're screwed. Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying with regards to like people are saying about like, oh, like rentals are going to come help them in the playoffs. Oh like, yeah, it depends that. on the price. It depends on the price of that. Like, and, a, like a fourth round pick, if you can get Nino Niederreier for a third, sure. Right, that makes sense to me. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go much more than that for him. You know what I mean? Well, and I think too, when you look at, like, if I'm looking at the team, and obviously, you know, like they all know much more than I do. But when I'm looking at this team, listen, if they can go on a run like Montreal did a couple of years ago, kudos to them. But in my mind, the goal this year is to get Jack, Nico, the team as much postseason experience as you possibly can. You don't want to see them go in and get swept. You don't want to see them go in and lose like, like only play like, you know, play like five games. You want them to get that experience similar to how Nathan McKinnon, when he talked, how, you know, they had their horrible season. Then they started slowly getting that playoff experience and then they were able to figure it out and actually win the cup. Sure. Yeah. That, but you know, you, you kind of it's a weird psychological thing for the team right like you almost owe it to them to go out and get him a piece that you might give him a little bit of juice in the playoffs even if it's not the big thing that everybody wants to have happen um but it, 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 it's almost like the year they they went out and made those deals when they made the playoffs it was like look we have faith in you let's go do this yeah and, and does that make that sense year, i believe yeah yeah the pat maroon one i loved I yeah. loved him. He's awesome. He's so yeah, I cool. Think that was. Did they make more than one move that year? I don't even. Remember. Yeah, it was. Um, it was uh, Marion Grabner. That's right. Yeah, it was the trade with the Rangers, and then Coleman had to go from forty to twenty. That's right. Yep. He had to. He had to change it or forty to twenty-four, whatever he changed it to. Uh, he was twenty, I believe. But I guess, um, yeah. But yeah, I just, I it's like I said. There's like somebody asked. Somebody sent me a DM, and they were asking me like all these scenarios, and I'm like, look, there's so many factors that go into a trade. Oh yeah, so many so factors. Many. Like I was talking to somebody in the media room about uh, one specific team, and specifically, I'm not going to say which team it was. And I was saying about how you know they might have to make a move because of their cap situation. And he turned around and the gentleman I was talking to was like, well, no, you have to look at like the picks and like what pick would go where and how they're going to end up in the, like where they're going to end in the standings and how that can affect things. And I was like, I gotta be honest. I didn't even think of that. 
Yeah, that matters a lot. Like that's why I'm totally cool with the Devils moving a first yeah. round pick for a big time guy who's going to be on your team for a few years. And that's he's like, and that's cool. why that specific team most likely will not get rid of anybody. Like they'll work internally before they actually get rid of anybody because of that reason. And I'm like, I didn't even think that that would, didn't even think of that. Wasn't even on my radar. And it just made me realize how much goes into it besides like going onto Twitter and just saying like, okay, like I'll give you Wood, Holt and like a third round. Like there's so much more that goes into it. So I always say, take anything that you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, for sure. It's, it's making the money work too. That's the trickiest one that people don't understand. And the $10 million qualifying offer makes it really weird. That's why this one and people are kind of freaking out because you know, his options are limited. If you're going to trade the guy, you kind of have to do it this year or you're on the hook. You're screwed. I don't think Carolina can do it. You know, I, I think the devils are actually in a shockingly good position right now, based on all things considered. If that is the end goal, if Fitz is like, I want Timo Meyer, he's in a better position today than he was a week ago. And I think too, when you look at San Jose, their top two players this year, are Eric Carlson, who's just having a ridiculous year, like so happy. Oh, yeah, he's going nuts. And then Timo. Mm -hmm. So if you're the general manager of the Sharks and you know that those are the pieces that can give you the most return, you have to think. There's Carlson's Carlson's contract's way too much. So to move Carlson is going to be very difficult. And this season, he's been phenomenal, but it's kind of an anomaly of what his recent play has been because of injuries and things like that. So Carlson's been capable for anyone to take like Edmonton almost makes sense to me because they have the Connor McDavid, they have Leon. So like, it kind of makes sense that Carlson in their mind might be like the final piece to get them to the Stanley cup final, mm. especially with Carlson's played this year. And maybe it eventually they can get into the Stanley cup final or eventually win. It would be worth it for them. But I think Carlson's a hard piece to move because of all the factors that surround him. Meyer, even though there's a lot of pieces surrounding him, I would think from the outside, he's easier to move than an Eric Carlson. So I'm the GM and I know that I'm approaching a rebuild or I'm in a rebuild, retool, whatever you want to say. I want as much as I can because that's my big piece. That is my only bargaining piece that I have. And maybe you'll see the general manager get a little like selfish in what he wants or gets a little greedy in what he wants thinking that because that's the only piece he really has to work with. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's certainly what any good general manager would do. You want to try to get the best deal you can for your team. Um, You know, I I think that it's twofold, right? As we're talking about kind of two things, the devil fan panic is because all the other options have dwindled off the board. But if I'm Fitz and I'm playing poker, I am loving that scenario because all these other people that I might've been bidding against are probably out. It's true. And I think that's, I think it's funny because I think I said this a couple episodes ago. I said, if I'm the Sharks general manager, like I want Dawson Mercer. And then, you know, you get that little tidbit that that's kind of the holdup. I think that's one of actually like at least two holdups that I personally think of. But everyone was like shocked at that. I said, how can you be shocked at that? Dawson's proven NHL talent. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's, that's a no starter for me. He's right there with – with Luke and Nemitz as far as like young kids that you can go shopping for. He's a no starter. I'll give you other stuff, but you can't have him. Well, and I, I don't think, Sorry. I, mean, I, I can't imagine. I wouldn't think that there's a world where like in a current world, Fitzgerald would move Mercer, but then again, no, you're nuts. 
But then again, I think back to what Fitzgerald said about Coleman and how he wasn't out shopping Blake Coleman. He never thought that he was going to trade Blake Coleman, but when the call came in, it was too good to pass up. So I'm not, well, I think that there's a low, 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 low probability of him moving Dawson. There's always that players get moved. Sure. It'd have to be, man, it'd have to be real good. Cause even if it's, even if it's a first round pick, like and you're asking me to gamble again, I already know what I have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be, that's a tough one. Honestly, if you're really thinking long-term future of the team, you put a gun to my head and ask me if I would do Dawson Mercer for Timo Meyer today, one for one, I'm not doing it. Well, you have to think of that. You have I'm not to- doing it. I mean, I personally wouldn't do it either. No. I would also, you have to think too, are you willing to pay? And I actually did a poll on Instagram for this. Are you willing to pay Timo Meyer more than Jack? Um, yeah, you're gonna have to. If you go, if you go eight and a half for Timo coming in, he's a proven commodity. He's a big boy, he's got playoff experience. Uh you're you're paying for you're paying for a little bit more in the intangibles factor as well um it's i think it's a little bit of a different situation than jesper bratt who's already on the team uh yeah i I think you're gonna have to i think you'd have to go eight and a half probably on timo and i i'd love to think that you could get a lot of these guys on the same page all taken just a little bit less to make it all work on the same team you'd love to think that his buddy nico he sure may or may not casually text him be like, hey, we got a good thing going here, buddy. Hey, Hoboken's not too bad to live in. Hey, what's going on, man? Newark's not terrible. We go right into a parking garage and we leave and we go back to Hoboken. It's great. Like, you'd like to think there's some selling going on. Uh, I read an article a little bit back that no matter what supposedly Timo's said that he wants to play with Nico in the NHL before his career's over, let's just get it over with, boys. Come on, let's do it. I, yeah, I, I'm really... I'm really 50-50 on Timo at the trade deadline. I'm 50 I mean, I'll give you a super legitimate, very fair from all parties deal. I'll give you either this year's first or next year's first. You get to pick. Um, I'd give you a conditional second if we go X rounds in the playoffs, a third otherwise. I would give you Seamus Casey, and then I would let you go shopping for pretty much anybody – not named Dawson Mercer, uh, Luke Hughes, Simon Nemich. That's either in Utica or a younger player. Uh, and then I, I can, I'll give you Miles Wood or Andreas Johnson, both on expiring contracts to make the money work. I think that's a super fair deal. And if I'm the Sharks, I'm that's the best deal you're going to get. I'm curious to see, because I think the whole thing with Timo is he said that He'd be willing to discuss potentially a more team-friendly deal. My words, not his. Yeah. If it's a contender. Out of the teams that are involved right now, you have Carolina, who's a contender right now. Sure. Vegas, I feel like, I guess Vegas is kind of always a contender. I, I, I'm i very like. They Vegas make the cap happen. work. Yeah. That's, like, that's shenanigans going on there. Yeah. Vegas, I'm very iffy with. And then you have the Devils who are at the start of contending. So I think that is appealing because, like I said, I don't think the Rangers are at the start of contending. The Rangers are more advanced in where they are as an organization than the Devils. So I think going to a team that's only starting to open the window, that cracked the window to contend, meaning you're not just there and it's like, okay, we only have like one more season 
to really like make this work. Mm-hmm. I think that's very appealing. I just, I'm, I'm iffy. But here's the other thing too I think of. The Devils missed out on so, and I sound like a broken record. The Devils missed out on all the quote unquote big names over the summer, right? Everyone said that, you know, there were people who said Fitzgerald failed over the summer because they, he was unable to get to Brinkett or Goudreau or to Chuck. But the piece that he got worked. This is a team oh, yeah. that's been in the second or first spot in the Metro basically all season long. So while everyone's on the Timo train, I have I feel that whatever Fitz is going to do is going to make the team better because he already proved he doesn't need the big name to make his team better. Like he knows where he needs to go to improve this team. Like nobody would have thought Eric Halla and like Brendan Smith would be the pieces and like Vitek Vanacek would be the pieces to get this Devils team going. But that's what's happened. That's what happened. Yeah, for sure. I just it it, it makes too much sense though. It just it if he was if he was right-handed, this would be people would be really hot right now. If he was a righty, I'd be losing my mind and screaming, "Get him here! Get him here!" The left-handed is the only thing that's not making yeah. it work. He's big. He's physical. He's healthy almost all the time. Mm-hmm. He's best friends with your captain. They play on a national team together. You know, you're gonna have national team teammates and brothers potentially on the same team. That's some chemistry that you can't buy. The only thing that I hope is that by the time we record our next episode, Timo is somewhere. <laughs> so we just well, don't have to have these conversations <laughs> again. Look, I think I gave a super, super fair deal. Um, I, I've been going back and forth with people on Twitter about like what you do and don't have to give up. And people are like, you got to give to get. I'm like, you don't have to give to Austin Mercer to get this. You're loaded. You're loaded up. And I get the deal I gave you didn't even include Holtz because I gave you Seamus Casey. I think it really, I think at the end of the day too, it really depends on where San Jose sees their team. Like, is this going to be a quick rebuild, kind of like the Rangers and, you know, other teams where they kind of do like a quicker turnaround? Or are they looking at a rebuild like New Jersey or like even you could say Buffalo where it's going to take a longer time? And I think that would also be a factor of what age or like draft, like what they actually want. Because yeah, that, day, that's for sure. Miles Wood and a Damon Severson are not, they're not going to do anything for the San Jose Sharks. Andreas no. Johnson is not going to do anything for the San Jose Sharks in no. the situation they're in right now. It might be like no. an extra, it might be like a little like, you know, sprinkle on top of like the cupcake, but that is not going to get this team what they need. No, that's the money. The guy, a guy like that is the money to make the money work for the cap this year. You have to include like two and a half million going back the other way. So that's, that's just the price of doing business and it's an expiring contract. Both of those guys are going to come off San Jose's books. That's just the money. Everything else is the gravy. That's 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 what we're giving them. The other thing is just what you need to do to make the money work. Unless you end up putting Blackwood on LTIR for the rest of the season. How about that one? Wink, wink. <laughs> yep. I, 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 I smell something coming with that. I don't know I, why. I just I do. Feel like, I feel like, I believe what I heard was Blackwood is uh, unofficially, I'll say unofficially, he's like day to day. Um, but we'll see what happens with further evaluations. You never know what's going to, what's going to pop up. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just being a conspiracy theorist with that. I, I just, it's too convenient of timing, right? Oh my God. I still think they <laughs> make, it makes so much sense for the LA Kings. Like I just look at the LA Kings and I'm like, I feel like Blackwood would make sense there. Yeah. He would make sense there actually. Um, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I just, I you know, I'm not, saying it's gonna, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but when you just look at hit, like, when you just look at the league in general, that's just the one that in my head, I was like, that connection right there just makes. 
all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, that's an interesting one to bring up, actually, because the, the more VTech plays, the more he looks like you're at least short term number one. Um, so that really makes Blackwood more expendable, especially with the way Schmid played when he came up earlier this year. I know the organization's very high on Dawes, have been for a while. Uh, and then you also have, you have James Reimer also on LTIR. So who knows what's going on with him and whatever that situation is. Yeah. But I, you know, I think Blackwood's the guy where you could, that might be like the weird one, didn't see it come and got moved out. Uh, I yeah, I think there's going to be a couple more surprises in the next yeah. couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to be a dramatic trade deadline, but I think there are going to be a couple more moves. Yeah, you know, it's tough. You don't want to – we talked about this. You don't want to mess with the chemistry too much because you've got good chemistry. This team seems to really like each other. Uh, I think the fact that Timo went on vacation with uh, a bunch of the European Devils kind of is a sign that he wouldn't really upset the – locker room too much yep i know i've said it again Guys, it's a small the hockey world is so small the amount of players that i see like intermingling like mingling after a game with like the opposing players like everyone knows everybody from one or like from one form of life they all know each other give Actually, me my strikes say, damn it ryan grapes <laughs> ryan grapes seems to be very popular i always see him mingling with uh with with other players he seems to be very well liked among he his. seems like a nice boy he is. He was. He seems like a very nice boy. Like <laughs> last season, Graves was actually like. I, this is actually a really funny story. Graves was my first one-on-one interview, okay. and because we weren't in the locker room, he like came out and like met me in the hallway, and he was so nice. And I hit record on my little like app to transcribe, and I asked him like three questions. He gave me the best answers. I was sitting there, I was like, oh my god, he's giving me everything I need. Great quotes. I get in my car. I thank him. Get in my car. Go to leave. And the transcription never recorded. Oh no! Rookie, rookie mistake. I said that's un- oh. unreal. Like trying to memorize, like remember what he said, but I'm like, I can't quote him. I can't use quotation marks. So I'm summarizing what he said. So it was like a lost cause. But yeah, that was that was my first uh, that was my first individual interview, and my recorder did not work. So oh, that's that's just a kick in the gut. Yeah, it, I, I said I'm like, ah, oh, so this is just this is not a good starting point. But we've gotten so much better from that. So we got, that, we got it out of the way early, at least. But yeah, Ryan's a really nice guy. Really, really nice guy. Yeah, it, this it seems like a good group of people. It really it does. They seem like they're very all like no one seems like a jerk. That no one seems really prickly. Um, like is Palat a little like standoffish and short? I could see that. But other than that, I would say so. To be honest, like I said, I think there's just different personalities. Like you can't expect everyone on the team to be a Damon Severson, a Tom, like a Tomas Tatar, a Vitek Vanacek. They're just different personalities, but none of them come off rude or disrespectful. That's um, cool. Yeah, no, it's a great group, and that's actually all the time we have. That. that is wow. That's that's quick. Um, I, I do I do want to bring one thing up. The last three games I've been at the uh, the pick an old devil has been Dawson Mercer every time. And he kind of looks like he could be Butthead's hot brother. I don't know why I keep seeing that in my head. But the next time that comes up, take a look. Because it cracks me up every single time. Well, there you go. So next time you're up against <laughs> you have something to look forward to. Because they do actually, they they do show that a lot. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, they do. I've seen it a lot. But it, every time I see it, he's doing that like Butthead face smile. And it just makes me laugh. Oh, my God. Well, we will be back <laughs> next week. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers, guys.